This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Welcome to Close Up. I'm Kelly Carter, and I'm going to go ahead and start this episode with a prediction. Corey Hawkins will one day be one of the most recognizable actors in Hollywood. I'm talking Will Smith, Matt Damon status. And I feel like I've been talking this man up so much this week in particular that my voice is a little hoarse now. But here's the thing. You have actually seen Corey's work even if you don't think you've seen his work. Yo, Trey, what up? I got something to say. We first really met him in 2015 and straight out of Compton, that NWA biopic where he expertly brought a young Dr. Dre to life. <laughs> the police coming straight from the underground. And honestly, that film forced this industry to see the power of black casts, black directors, and black storytellers. And in terms of the box office, it earned more than $200 million worldwide which made it the highest grossing music biopic of all time until three years later when Bohemian Rhapsody, that's the Queen biopic, came along and took that crown. But you know what? Let's stay on task because we're here to talk about Corey Hawkins. Our lips are thick. Our nose is broad. Our hair is nappy. We are black and we are beautiful. Corey's done a lot of work since Compton. He did Spike Lee's Black Klansman, which won Spike an Oscar. And he did In the Heights, where he showed us he had some pipes. That man can sing. And it was recently announced that he would be playing the cruel, ornery mister in the Color Purple reboot. Given all of that, and the fact that Corey has some solid training from Juilliard, and when he was there, he won the John Hausman Award for Classical Theater. I'm honestly not surprised at where he's finding himself professionally right now. Double, double, toil and trouble, fire burn, and cauldron bubble. He's giving us a pitch-perfect Macduff in the latest film adaptation of The Tragedy of Macbeth. In that film, Corey is acting alongside Oscar winners Denzel Washington and Frances McDormand, and he's directed by Joel Cohen of the legendary and award-winning Cohen Brothers. It is impossible to be around that level of greatness and not find yourself be great too. As we always do on Close Up, after my conversation with Corey Hawkins, you'll go inside my group chat with a few of my buddies. Today, I've got the president of the African-American Film Critics Association, Gil Robertson, and I have our own ABC News radio entertainment correspondent, Jason Nathanson, with me. We'll talk about what earned Corey that AFCA award for Best Supporting Actor, what the new Batman means for theatergoers, and we'll talk about some of our favorite series hitting the small screens. But first, here's my conversation with Corey Hawkins. Corey, I want to I want to go back because uh, we first met as the world was about to meet you as Dr. Dre and Straight Outta Compton. 
take mm-hmm. me back a few years. What were you hoping would immediately come your way in the aftermath of such a successful project and debut? Well, I guess my hopes and, and, and my dreams have sort of come to fruition. I sort of feel like I'm in, in process at this point and still living out in terms of immediate goals. I mean, I, I count myself really lucky. It's really hard to to sort of persist and pursue this this craft, and then not only to do that, but just to do it with uh, you know cast and 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 directors and and people who who I enjoy doing it with, and and working on projects that actually say something. I mean, Compton, you know, as you remember, like that was it. It sort of caught the world by storm, and and uh, it sort of hit the zeitgeist in a beautiful way. Cruising down the street in my 6'4". Oh, shit. Hey, that was dope, eh? And just sort of started us talking, not only about what we were talking about in the film and, and, and everything that NWA was talking about, but what we were talking about on the film side and, and what, the, what, what the world looks like in terms of creating and, and a film led by Black actors uh, with a Black director, Black producers, um, what that looks like in, in, in this space and that there is space for us. So it was cool being a part of that. And mm-hmm. now I feel like I'm just, you know, sort of stepping in, stepping forward in that, in that way. Um, I'll say, but before we get into, you know, kind of this really big moment that I, that I think you're finding yourself in right now, even after the, the major success of Straight Outta Compton, I noticed that you not only took roles in television, but you at some point went back to the stage. Uh, why was that? And, and what was it that you were getting from television and even more specifically the theater that maybe you weren't finding or couldn't find in film? Well, I honestly think uh, creatively, it was just an opportunity to go back and continue stretching the muscle. And Denzel talks about this all the time, but like going back to the theater and that's something that he does in his career. And, and a lot of the actors that I respect, uh, not just him, um, it's just about going back and flexing the muscle. And, and I came up in the theater. And so you start to miss it after a while, you know, um, it, it doesn't necessarily pay all the bills <laughs> theater, but you do it because um, night after night, you get to go in there and, and, and tell it, it, it might be the same story, but you're talking to a different audience. And I'm always of the mind that if one, if there's one person in that audience who connects to that story, then you sort of exponentially change somebody's life. And I feel like that, that, uh, not to put too much weight on it, but I had done Broadway before, uh, straight out of Compton, but I went back and did, um, six degrees of separation, uh, after doing 24 on television. It was a real departure. Um, but I also felt like creatively, coming off of 24 and um, maybe creative, uh, uh, a creative voice that I wish I had had more of on, on the show. Um, I was able to sort of go back and, 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 and dig in and, and go back to what I knew and, and a creative process that I understood. And I hope to just continue doing that. You know what I mean, Kelly? I feel like it's, it for me feeds, one feeds the other, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And in a lot of ways, it's it's a nice culmination, I think, with what you're able to do in Macbeth. Um, how did that project come to you? <laughs> Which you could say it just came to me, but didn't slide across the desk. I had to fight for that one. Um, and 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 that's also part of it. I love being able to uh, to, to chase projects and, and and the opportunity to to audition. I mean, I was overseas at the time I was I was in. Um, think Latvia. <laughs> so, I don't know where I was. <laughs> or maybe I was in like, I was shooting a film uh, uh, 
and in the middle of nowhere. And they were like, yeah, Joel's going to be in town in uh, two days in L.A., um, Joel Cohen. And he's seen everybody. You know, I was like, wait, what? Like, but I'm shooting in Hama. So I flew back. I didn't we didn't tell him that I was like out of town or anything like that. I showed up and it was it almost became a two day process. I think I had to literally fly back the next day. So I lied and I was just like, you know, we were reading different roles. And and I was just like uh, he was like, well, you can come back tomorrow and maybe read, you know, or, or if you want to take some time with this. Or I was like, no, 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 no. I got you. I got you. I can do it now because. I had been exposed to, you know, that thing of uh, stay ready. So you have to get ready. I've been exposed to Macbeth. I did it at school um, and in training. And so and had the opportunity to, 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 to play Macbeth. And so it all sort of became kismet. And, and for me, um, I know Macduff, that character, you know, it's there's there's many different ways you can play it. But but for me, I just wanted to get inside it in a different way. And so I just used the. Uh, the read with Joel as a way to just play and 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 do something different that was unexpected, not just to to him, but to myself, you know. And so, and we kind of found magic working it working it that way. You know, what does it mean to to fight for a role, and when do you know when a role is worth fighting for? Mm, mm. I think you. Um, first of all, it's the script. If it isn't on the page, it isn't on the stage. And, and I, you know, there's been a lot of things that I've, I've had, I've, I've passed on that opportunity because the script wasn't there quite yet, or the character wasn't where I think it should be in terms of, you know, it's not about the breadth and, in or quote unquote size of the role. It's just, you know, if, if the character offers something and has something to say and, and, and not to get too precious with it, but that's what I'm looking for first, first and foremost. And, Again, for me, in 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 quote unquote fighting for a role, it's really more so, you know, y'all have the opportunity to see just a glimpse of what I am gonna sort of, you know, I'm just scratching the surface here in this audition, you know, with it with with what I could bring to it, where we could go, the possibility, imagine, you know. And then um you're getting the opportunity as an actor to to see if you like working with this director, you know, mm -hmm. that's how I look at it. Um, you know, it's not, a, it's never a burden. If someone wants to read, you know, read me in, in a room, I'm all for it because that's an opportunity to see what the collaboration is going to be. And that's what it was with Joel Cohen. I mean, I, yeah. I, I literally have inhaled all of his films, uh, him and him and his brother's films and was a fan. And so in the room, it was a collaboration that I was just, looking forward to like just the ease with which he was and i've gotten to work with some really <laughs> a broad range of like really incredible directors and so mm. um to add him to the list was was really dope i was like i'm gonna fight for it you know whatever that means i'm gonna uh, I'm, I'm gonna go hard so i can so i can have the opportunity to bring my version of what i uh, i imagine you know mcduff where he lives you brought it and then some because your scenes with Denzel Washington just left me awestruck. I will not fight with thee. Then yield thee, coward. I will not yield. Kiss the ground before young Malcolm's feet and to be baited with a rabble's curse. There was a moment where you guys were just going at it and I realized that I hadn't drawn a breath. Leon Macduff. And damn be him that first cries old enough. Do you remember the first time you worked through a scene with him? And what was that like? Um, uh, well, first of all, thank you. Uh, I, I appreciate that. Um, 
you know, it's, uh, and I feel like the first time I was, was, uh, I, I came for a costume fitting and they, they, Denzel and, and Francis have been in rehearsal for a while. And, uh, I, um, <laughs> I came for a costume fitting with Mary Zofrids, who's incredible. Um, <laughs> the conversations that we were able to have just about the costumes and what they say and, and how, you know, what this material does. It's fascinating, really fascinating. She's been working with Joe for a long time. But anyways, I was there with her and we were kicking it and talking about costumes. And then they called over. They were like, oh, he's on the lot. Come over and say what's up because everybody's here rehearsing. So I was like, cool, headed over there and and uh, said what's up. And I'd known Denzel before out of the context of working together. Um, you know, Denzel, after we exchanged pleasantries and all that, we got to work. He just picked up a book and the book and, and then we started going with the with the text. And, yeah. you know, thankfully I was ready, <laughs> but, um, you know, and from that day on, I came to, I came to rehearsal every day. And at first it was just me reading everybody else's sort of roles and, and, and all of that. And then, um, and then people started trickling in and, and, uh, working with Denzel, um, you know, it, it, there's a reason why he, we call him, why he is, a, is, is treasured among mm-hmm. artists is because, there is a there is an art to what he does and the word craft, you know, people say what they want about it, but there's a discipline that he has. And and it's a discipline that I pride myself in in trying to sort of just just scratch it. It just, you know, watching him coming in every day before everyone else last to leave. You know what I mean? And just yeah. being able to talk process and, and watch watch him first and foremost, up close and personal um, was dope. And it's something that I I. I'm looking forward to to add into my toolbox. You know what I mean? Just the opportunities, mm-hmm. those scenes, um, being able to to watch the the ease with which he works in a film that has so much angst and so it, it's such a thriller. But to watch him make it his, you know, uh, it gave me the confidence to be able to make Macduff mine, mm-hmm. and yeah, that was fascinating. But you know what's so great, and and I hope that you know this about yourself and what you turned in performance-wise, is that you don't get lost in that scene at all. Like, you're right there with him, which to me was so exciting, you know, to watch because not many can hang with Denzel Washington, but you hang and then some with Denzel Washington. And to me, this really felt like every Juilliard alum's dream, you know, that you get to go toe-to-toe with one of the greatest actors of all time in a highly charged scene or in several highly charged scenes in a Mm. piece of literature that has been beloved and studied for centuries. Mm. Was it, was it this, your greatest dreams realized to have this moment? It was, I mean, you know, I'd be lying if I said anything other, I mean, it just, it was, it was, it was just, and not only that, not only everything that you just said, but then to be directed by a Cohen, like like literally Joel Cohen in his mind, his mastery, and and then to have the cinematographer there every day, like like watching and 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 pulling from their 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 minds, I, they, like literally being a fly on the wall in the room where it was happening, being able to watch, you know, the moments when things didn't work, and then the moments when you know, it was just the music was singing and we were up there literally playing different instruments and everybody's in this beautiful sort of symphony. I was just like, I, I'm I'm literally the luckiest guy in the world and, and I better have my stuff together. I better come correct. I, you know, I, there's no, 
you know, uh, lateness. There's no, uh, you know, not knowing the, 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 the text and being ready. You just got to be ready and, and come with ideas. And, and that was just, it was dope. What does it take for you to say yes at this point in your career? Um, well, a few zero, no, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, I honestly, and I've, I've always been like this and as much to like, sometimes my reps, uh, chagrin, you know, dismay, but, um, I, I've always, no is, no is our biggest, um, uh, weapon. It's our power. And, um, sometimes you have to say, uh, no to a certain thing, um, because something doesn't feel right. Or, or, you know, for me, it was all about what are we saying with the work? You know what I mean? And sometimes, look, mm-hmm. if we want to go and do, you know, I remember doing Six Underground and that was just an opportunity to just, you know, do something that was was wild and different. Come on, come on, come on. Say peekaboo, you punk. And again, escapism and, and just to sort of change the, you know, just counter program a little bit for myself, you know, but the opportunity to say when you finally get to, to, to say yes to something, it, it means a lot and, and it holds a lot of weight. And and but you also can't be too precious about certain things. I, I remember I was like having conversations with my friends and they were like, yo, like sometimes you have to just do it. You know, it's a long career. It's a marathon. It's not a sprint. So if you think about life that way, if you just, you know, if you say yes to the right things and, and it doesn't go the way you want it to go or the response isn't that you can always pick yourself back up and get on that chain, get on that wagon and keep pushing. But but in order to say yes, my heart just has to be in it. You know, I might have doubts. I might be nervous, but you can be nervous and still work. You can be nervous and and still go 150 percent which sometimes we have to do just, just on off the humble, like, you know, so I just, um, I don't know. I don't know. It's that magic, you know, it's that instinct too. I think, um, you know, it's, it's right now, it's just about developing my taste, um, developing the, the, you know, but I got to say <laughs> after working with Joel Cohen, Denzel Washington, Francis McDormand, I mean, I, I I'm like, what, what? <sighs> like it's hard. <laughs> I'm just like, I, I don't know what else. Just to, you know, um, but it's the goal is to continue working with, with creators like that, you know, on projects. Yeah. That that's definitely raised the bar. I would say so. (laughs) It's like, who, you know, fresher than Denzel, Francis McDormand and so on and so on and so on. Like, it's just, I mean, come on, come on, you know, it's just the opportunity to, to, that's why, again, I pinch myself and I'm very blessed. I'm very, I'm a spiritual person. So I I do believe everything is, is going to happen the way it's supposed to happen and and ordained in some way. But, um, but I also, you know, you have to be conscious in, in what, in the projects and the roles that we take, because I'm conscious of the, without, again, without being precious, you know, it doesn't mean I have to play the most moral person or this or that. You know, it doesn't mean, you know, Denzel's playing Macbeth. He's exposing those qualities and somebody who is ruthless and a murderer and what what got him to that place and where he's come. You know, those are the intricacies that we're we're dealing with in the psychology that we're trying to work out as as actors and artists. Um, and it's our responsibility to to do just tell the truth in that way. And then we let it go. You know, it's up to everybody else to write about it and, and 
pontificate about, you know, <laughs> what you're doing in it. But, but at the end of the day, that's just, that's where I'm at with it. You know, you know one of the things that I love um, about Macbeth that, that feels so important to acknowledge is that it looks like the world that we actually live in. And quite frankly, it looks like how the world existed back when Shakespeare wrote it, you know? Um, but every time we normally see those types of works performed, it looks very homogenous, but not, but not this film. And I would love to hear you talk a little bit about that because it's very noticeable. And I love when things like that are noticeable without explanation. And that's what yeah. you guys gave us with this. Thank you. Well, we, we, well, I, you know, we, we, um, like I said, we do the work. You know, we, we show up. I, I'm, I'm a black man. I look the way I look. You know, curly hair. I love it. You know what I mean. Nappy roots. I love it. You know what I'm saying. I, I show up in, in, on set, and it's an opportunity for me to step into that role. I am who I am. I can't change that, and so the opportunity to step into Shakespeare and, and what this does is it allows, um, it just allows uh, me to find a new way into, it's like, what is your way into it? For me, it's the poetry of it all in the same way that we listen to hip hop and in mm. different forms of music and, and not, you know, you may not understand it all, but you you catch this and you catch that and the image ultimately forms into something that that makes sense and, and that actually talks about where we are in society. And sometimes sim the simple act, the subversive act, and Francis talks about that a lot, but like the simple act of us getting in a room and doing it together is is says something and it says enough that we don't have to go in and qualify it like i don't feel the need to get on and be like well yes i'm black and this is why i'm you know i mean it is what it is i do the work i and, and i'm and i'm lucky in that i've trained so that and and everyone in this cast is trained and and we and not just you know black and white we're from every i mean the scottish actors the british there's south that like every every part of the globe you know and it's it allows us to say we have ownership over this just as much as anyone else we can my my understanding of this thing that shakespeare is just as dope and funky and fresh as any other dusty you know uh, uh um uh pontification over over what shakespeare is from anyone like i feel like we have had an opportunity and have this opportunity and i feel like the movie does this is that you don't question it. You really are watching this like thriller. It's like one of these films that you just sort of go, like you say, you sort of like holding your breath because you're like, oh, 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 you know, you sort of get on the ride and you go. And mm -hmm. I just dig that. Like you're not sitting there going, you know, you might miss a word or you might miss this or you might miss, might not understand it because it's Shakespeare or, or whatever, but you get it, you know, and that's the, um, that's just what we're after, I think. Um, you know, the, the, to to be able to stand up there, and also for a young generation of of men and women who look like us to to look at that screen and go, "Whoa, whoa, what are they? What are they saying? What are they talking about? Wait, well, okay," and get curious and know that that is possible to see one of their greatest, you know, the greatest actors of our generation up there on that screen doing something like that is um, yeah. is a uh, it just, it speaks volumes. Cause we didn't really, we, I haven't seen this growing up. I, you know, 
No, no. And you know, what's crazy about that is I don't think I have ever met an actor period, but most certainly an actor who has the type of training that you have, you know, and the type of programs that you went through who hasn't done Shakespeare at some point in in Mm. their career. So I would love to hear, you know, what was young Corey like when he was performing Macbeth or whatever, whatever Shakespeare play you inevitably had to perform when you were in school and, and what were his aspirations and what would you love to go back and tell him now that you have done Shakespeare, but not only done Shakespeare, you've done him um, on a global stage and with, Mm you know, at least two of the greatest working actors right now. Mm. I would, uh, I just, I don't know. I, I, to be honest, if I told him something different, his path might not end up where I ended up. If I, if I tried to correct the mistakes that young Corey made, I don't know if I mm. would be sitting here, you know, talking to you, Kelly. So like, I feel, I feel very lucky in that I was able to work on things that, you know, and, and approach things and be scared about it and be nervous. And um, I'm, I'm now mentoring some some students who are coming up uh, uh, through my old high school and and uh, and through Julie from Juilliard as well. And, you know, they're like, well, what do we you know, what's the what, where we, we advice, advice. And I'm like, sometimes the best advice is just, uh, you know, trusting being where you are and just trusting that this journey whatever, whatever you choose, it is going to lead you exactly where you were supposed to be. Like that's the, I mean, it's really simple. It sounds scary. Cause it's like, you know, I remember being in high school thinking my world was going to be over. Cause you know, I, I don't know, this girl broke up with me or, or my homework wasn't this, and it, that wasn't, it, you know what I mean? Like we, and we're going to continue to have that for the rest of our lives. Like, and so you have to be easy with yourself. You have to, um, and so I, maybe that's what I would tell myself is just to to relax <laughs> and and just trust trust the process trust that what you're doing is and that you are enough you know that's what I would say you are enough because sometimes you walk into a room a room full of people who don't look like you and you feel like you have to be something other than who you are and you might not know who you are just yet but be where you are fully present and just make mistakes, take risks and and continue to fail upwards, you know, like it's okay to fail. It's okay to mess up and get messy. And uh, I'm proud of myself on that now. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, that wasn't it. You know, <laughs> so, like, what's next? You know, that's the thing. I love being the underdog too. You know, I think there's something about that quality that can drive you, you know, if, so I'd say that. <laughs> Well, look, that advice has served you quite well. And then some, Corey Hawkins, thank you so much for doing this today. I really appreciate you. Solid advice indeed. After the break, a couple of my Hollywood Reporter friends are going to talk some more Corey Hawkins and Tragedy of Macbeth with me. Plus, we get into some Hollywood news and new TV shows that we're absolutely hooked on. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
Okay, we're back. I want to bring in my friends, ABC News Entertainment Correspondent, Jason Nathanson, and the co-founder and president of the African American Film Critics Association, or AFCA, as we like to call it, Gil Robertson. Welcome, Jason and Gil. Good morning, Gil. You know, I want to talk about Macbeth because personally, that was actually my favorite film of this season. But I want to hear your thoughts about Corey's performance in it. And also, I want to talk about the new iteration of Batman and its impact at the box office, plus a couple of TV shows that we think are worth everyone's time. But let's start with Corey. What did you guys think about his performance? I thought he was, I mean, incredible. Um, you know, obviously, he received our uh, AFCA's uh, Best Supporting Actor Award for his performance in the film. And uh, I thought he held up well against, uh, you know, Denzel and uh, Francis. Everything about it was uh, was thumbs up for me. What about yourself, Jason? Yeah, I, I I really liked it, and I liked hearing in the interview him talking about how he how he went toe to toe with Denzel and how yeah. all the preparation that went in his life from you know his early stuff to Juilliard to everything got him to that moment. Um, you can tell when somebody hasn't done Shakespeare before or hasn't does, doesn't have a familiarity with the classics. Yeah. Um, and they put their own interpretation on it. That's great. And that's cool. But when somebody's classically trained like that you, and and he's with some of the best actors, you know, running right now, you can you can tell. And it's fantastic. My wife killed, too. I have said be comforted. Sinful man, tough. They were all struck for thee, not that I am, not for their own demerits, but for mine. Fell slaughter on their souls. Heaven rest them now. Yeah, you know, Gil, I kind of want to kick it back over to you, too, because Corey really did pick up his first major award in this category. And and for this film, why was this the film that AFCA wanted to honor him? You know, what Corey, um, this performance was sort of like a culmination of what we've seen coming for a minute. Coming out of straight out of Compton, one would have necessarily thought that his career would have mm. gone this way, but he has slowly and steady built a uh, filmography that is quite impressive and quite varied. So for us, I think it's really just the beginning of a long, long courtship that we're going to have with him, uh, you know, and celebrating and recognizing him as one of the, the new talents to watch. Yeah. One thing that we're starting to see, I think, and I hope I'm not being too premature about this. But the box office is back, question mark. Bruce Wayne. The Batman released recently. Justice. The answer is justice. It came in on its opening weekend and estimated $128.5 million in the North American box office alone, which is far past that $100 million it was expected to bring in. Is that telling us that people are far more comfortable now with going back to the theater? And thusly, does that get us back to the top of 2020 where we were? Uh, Jason, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I think we're, we're definitely seeing that people are more comfortable going into spaces. We've seen a, a, around the country, a lot of mask mandates dropped, and that was a barrier, I think, for a lot of people. Mm. Um, we also saw, you know, this is the big, first big blockbuster so far of the year we saw really good returns for spider-man it's those uh it's those properties that people know and that people mm. love that they gravitate towards they get back but if you look at the rest of the box office for march there are four films opening wide this month including yeah. batman there's yeah. so if people are excited for batman there's not a lot of 
for them to then go follow up that film with. So we'll see. But now Batman has a lot of room to make a lot of money in the next couple of weeks. Oh, yeah. And one of the things which we'll actually probably never know about the box office from this weekend, but I'm, I'd be really interested to see the breakout, is AMC introduced variable pricing, which had them change the prices for movies like The Batman or Spider-Man. So Batman, for instance, in Los Angeles, a ticket was 25 bucks on Friday night. Wow. Uh, which is, wow. you know, if the high, the average ticket price is usually around $9 across the country. So yeah. if this is almost three times that. That had to have made a big difference at the box office. Unfortunately, we'll never get the breakout of that. Um, but I, I think it's interesting to see if going forward, if that has any kind of effect. Um, and if other theaters change their pricing as well. Does that come with like... A glass of wine? That's the thing. You're not even getting anything extra. You're just what? getting the, you know, your typical movie seat. Oh, so no. it's it's crazy. But but for those first run big movies, yeah. people are gonna pay it. That's true, though. I, I'm gonna need some raisinets to go with that $25 price <laughs> ticket, I think. Uh but now I'm gonna pivot because I wanna ask you both a very controversial question. The Dark Knight, the Batman, or my personal favorite, the OG Michael Keaton. What are you? I'm Batman. Which one is the best so far? Jason, I know you're smiling. What's your pick? Wow, it's just it's just so tough. I'm going to have to go with Dark Knight. And okay. I can't even exactly tell you why. I, I think really for me, it's, it's, a, it's more about Heath Ledger and the Joker than it Ooh. is about anything else. See, madness, as you know, is like gravity. All it takes is a little push. <laughs> but that was the series that gave us him. That was such a great performance. So I got to go with Dark Knight. All right. Gil, what about yourself? The Batman, the Dark Knight, or my favorite, Michael Keaton as the OG, because you have that Jack Nicholson versus Michael Keaton uh, comical greatness. What are, what are your thoughts? Which one wins? You know, I'm going to... Uh, go with the Dark Knight as well. I, I mean, there was something just about Christian Bell's performance of Batman that really, I thought, revealed the angst behind, uh, you know, Batman's character. Yeah. You know, and the performances overall in that film were just across the board were just excellent. You know, I can't believe nobody is backing me up on Michael Keaton. That's uh, guys, who are you? That's what's <laughs> happening here. You didn't even give an option of George Clooney and the bat nipples. Did I not give that option? I wonder why I did not give that as an option. Listen, there's Michael Keaton and everybody else. That, that's how, those are the rules. I don't make them. I don't make them. Sure. Those are the rules. Your show, your rules. I got it. Yeah. <laughs> it's a close second. <laughs> I'm kidding. There's room for plenty of Batmans and apparently plenty of Jokers. If you... If you portray the Joker, you win an Oscar. So that's all I'm saying as they think about this next, uh, what this next The Batman sequel might look like. Want to jump over to some really big entertainment news that I find to be wholly intriguing. Will Smith and Michael B. Jordan are teaming up for I Am Legend. It's the first time they're going to act together, but they also are co-producing it. Why I find this to be really interesting is that Michael B. Jordan, for the bulk of his career, especially as he really got into some of those roles later in his life, has always had to talk about, is he the second coming of Will Smith or Denzel Washington? And I feel like his answer has kind of been like, I want to be both. And now, after being directed by Denzel, 
we get to see him starring and working alongside Will Smith. What do you guys think about that, Jason? I can't wait. I loved I Am Legend. Um, it is uh, quietly, I think it probably doesn't get the praise it deserves, although everybody, whenever you bring it up, everybody's like, oh yeah, I love that movie, but it's not one that's often talked about. Um, so I love it. I can't wait to see where they would go with the second. How did you get out of here? Fred, if you're real, you better tell me right now. If you're real, you better tell me right now. I'm almost a little nervous because I did like the first one so much and I never want to see them mess anything up and mess up the legacy of something. But with these two guys, uh, especially, I can't wait to see them together. I also really love that they're both producing it too. You know, I talked a little bit with Will Smith about producing King Richard and why that was important to him because he doesn't always produce the work that he stars in. And I feel like moving forward, this is probably what we're going to see for the rest of his career. What is it about actors that understand their power as as producers and people who are working behind the scenes. How do you guys think that really changes the output for for them? Like, what does that do? Well, yeah, I mean, uh, certainly as a producer, we'll have a lot more control over, you know, the character and how it's developed, uh, how it, you know, the final cut. Um, it's important for him to I think control the image, control the story, mm. control as much of the IP as possible uh, so that he can uh, make his best efforts to ensure uh, the best possible outcome. No, that's such a great point. And now that that Mike has been directed by Denzel, of course, in A Journal for Jordan, we got to see them act alongside one another. Maybe that'll come in the near future. Before I let you guys get out of here, want to hear what you're watching. Um, me. I'm in love with Pam and Tommy on Hulu. It is making me rethink everything I think I thought about that scandal. It makes me want to reach out to Pam, apologize to her on behalf of all of society, and maybe be her good girlfriend. No, you don't understand. I'm done. I will not answer another question. Pam, listen, I'm trying to make this work. You make that happen, or I get a new lawyer think it's well acted well written well executed and i think if the point is to repaint pam um that that job has been completed what about yourself what are you watching jason uh oh i love pam and tommy and i i think you you bring up a great point there about how it reframes what we knew and and our own complicity in it and it when it comes to either whether you're laughing at the late night talk show jokes yeah. or whether you watch the tape yourself you know you were part of the problem and I think that shines a light on it. Um, yep. And so I, I and, and the series does a great job. Sebastian Stan and Lily James, I think, are great. Uh, there's a show on Apple TV Plus, which just started, uh, Severance, which I think is fantastic. It is a mm. slow burn. Hello, my name is Mark S. And I have, of my own free accord, elected to undergo the procedure known as severance. By the time you get to the end, like it had a, a, an actual jaw-dropping moment for me. Uh, winning Time, which just started uh, on Sunday on HBO. So good. So good. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm obsessed with this series. It's so fantastic. And it's from Adam McKay. And I mean, John C. Riley as Jerry Buss is fantastic. Quincy Isaiah as Magic yeah. Johnson in his first role. And he's going head to head first with role. all those guys. First pick, the 1979 NBA draft. The Los Angeles Lakers select Irvin Magic Johnson. I mean, just all, all the actors in there and, you know, the tallest cast, I think, of any TV show that's ever been made. <laughs> 
There were no lies told about that. Yes, so good. Chef's kiss. Every last episode, you will go down a rabbit hole trying to read and learn more about that series, which I think is the marker and measure of a really, really, really excellent job done. Gil, what about yourself? What are you watching? Um, my must-watch every week has been The Gilded Age, which uh, is just, I mean, mm. yeah, it's just it's great television. Revolutions are launched by clever people with strong views and excess energy. You know, but anytime you can see Christine Baranski, uh, you know, do her thing, it's always a good time. Yeah, yeah. I really want to thank Jason and Gil for doing this. You guys are amazing and I just really appreciate your time. Hey, my pleasure. It was fun. Thank you. Next time on Close Up, legendary screenwriter and director Aaron Sorkin says once he starts writing, it's really hard to stop. For me, a, a screenplay isn't finished. It's confiscated. Uh, <laughs> I keep writing until someone says, pencils down. Uh, uh, we've we've got to go. We've got to roll film. That's next time on Close Up. You know what? Thank you guys for kicking it with me these last few episodes. I really hope you like what you've been hearing and learning. And if you do, please rate and review the show and follow wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss any future episodes. Close Up is a production of ABC Audio. It's produced by Vika Aronson, Carrie Ann Thomas, and David Toledo. With help from Josh Cohan, Brenda Salinas Baker, Ariel Chester, Mary Pat Thompson, Elizabeth Russo, and Stacia Dashishku. Lakia Brown is our senior producer, and Liz Alessi is our executive producer. Talk soon.